Well, good morning again, and welcome to Cross Point. My name is Cale Courtright. I'm the spiritual formation minister here. So if you don't like what you hear today, take heart. I'm not the preacher. So <laughs> things are a little different today, as you can tell. We have screens, but nothing's on them, uh, which is too bad for you because I created the greatest presentation that has ever been created, and you won't get to see it. So if you'd like to, a tour later, then we can, we can go back there, and I'll prove it to you. But... Uh, delete that. Um, We're glad that you're here today. As Jason mentioned, we have a lot of things going on. I hope that you'll be here this Wednesday to meet Callie and also see Bob Smiley, and uh, that's this Wednesday. We want to fill this place up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Also, I want you to be aware that next week we start a new sermon series called Upside Down, and Tim is going to be looking at uh, Christ-like leadership, and it doesn't always look like leadership as the world would look at it that way. We all lead in one way or another, whether it be here at church or at our homes or in our workplaces. And so be here for that as uh, we have a lot uh, to learn through that. Um, again, check, our, check your bulletin, check our Facebook page uh, for the news that's going on. Speaking of Facebook, we've been in a series for the last few weeks on friendship called BFF. And today we're going to finish that. We've been talking about what it means to be a friend and trying to redefine how we see our friendships and uh, today, Tim gave me the, the last topic, which is um, on unfriending. And if you remember a few months ago, the first time I preached here, I got to preach in the Beatitude series um, on blessed are those who mourn. I, I had worked here all of six days, and I got blessed are those who mourn. And now I get unfriending, so this is what hazing looks like at Cross Point. <laughs> we have made an agreement that next time it gets to be on grace or love or joy or... A topic of my choosing. So, um, but today, since we're talking about unfriending, I wanted to uh, literally show you what that means. Obviously, I can't do that. But what I did is I went to a Facebook page, and I showed you how to go through the process of unfriending. And, of course, I used Tim's page as an example. Um, <laughs> but, sadly, you won't get to see that today. And Facebook really has, most of you are probably at least familiar with Facebook or on Facebook. And it has redefined how we think about friendship. Um, used to, if I said, how many friends do you have, that might actually be a weird question. And now, if I asked you, how many friends do you have, you probably think about your Facebook number, because it helps us to actually quantify how many friends we have. Of course, it's changed, because those aren't always our actual friends, but if I've met you once, then I feel comfortable to friend you on Facebook, right? Um, that's not weird. Um, or if you just have enough friends in common, then that's okay. But it's helped us to create this whole new language around friendship, Um, friending someone or unfriending someone, things like that, is all new to us. And so in this series, we've tried to help us redefine what it actually means to be a friend. And I really like how Tim defined it last week. He talked about refrigerator rights. And he talked about how many people in in the world, in your life, are comfortable to come into your house and just open your fridge, no questions asked, eat, drink, whatever they want. Uh, I have family members that don't even have refrigerator rights, right? So I always liked those shows growing up where they'd have that one friend that would just open the door, wouldn't have to ring the doorbell, wouldn't have to knock, would just come on in. That's refrigerator rights. How many people in your life can come into your house and it's perfectly normal for them to open up your refrigerator? Or likewise, how many people's houses can you go to and open up their refrigerator and you know you're comfortable doing that and it's normal? Or maybe that question doesn't help you. Maybe this one. Um, who do you call in the middle of the night if something happens? 
If it's not a family member, who would you feel comfortable calling? Who wouldn't it be weird um, to call at 2 a.m. if you needed something? Or maybe you have exciting news to share. Who do you want to share that with? Who do you want to go out and celebrate with? These are, are better questions than Facebook gives us to who are our real friends. And that's what we've been trying to, to, to learn in this series. Not only how we define friendship, but also the role that friendship plays in our life. The kind of friend that we need to seek out and the kind of friend that we need to be. And today we're going to talk about what about those influences in our lives, those friends in our lives that are not pointing us towards Christ, that are not helping us to honor God with our life. That's what we're going to talk about today, but first, will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, this church body comes together to encourage one another, to worship together. And God, I ask that uh, we can go out today, that we can be uh, your light, that we can be your son to those that we come in contact with, God that we can honor you in everything that we do. And God, I ask that we have the courage to throw off those things that entangle us in sin, those influences in our life, those relationships that are not pointing us towards you, God. I thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So the, the tagline we've been using in this series is, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's so true, isn't it? And whether you know it or not, you are becoming like those that you spend time with. Or maybe it's not even people, but you are becoming like those influences that you allow in your life. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says it this way. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I'll read that again. Proverbs 13 verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Let me give you an example. If you, spend primor- if you primarily spend a lot of your time with people who are fairly active and they work out and they eat right, as you spend time with them, you probably will become a healthier person. You'll, you'll start doing things that they do, maybe playing games that they play. You'll start eating at places that they eat at. Uh, you might start to even feel bad eating things that they wouldn't eat. And so over time, you will become a healthier person when you spend time around healthier people. Likewise, if you wanted to maybe uh, spend, uh, handle your finances better, if you spend time around people who handle their finances well, you, in part, will start to handle your finances better. And most importantly, if you want to become a more committed, deeper follower of Christ, well, then you need to spend time with people who are committed followers of Christ. Those people that, that can show you the way, that can lead you in that. That is how we as people, that we start to grow. That those are the people that we spend time with, and so we continue to grow in that way. Also in Proverbs chapter 12, it says this, chapter 12, verse 26. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. So I don't know if you've ever been led astray by a friend, or at least just led in a, a troublesome spot. Uh, there was a one time a few years ago that our friend, my friend Jeff and I were given two tickets to the NCAA championship game, basketball. Uh, We were living in central Texas at the time. We were given two tickets for that night, Monday night, to go see Connecticut versus Butler in the championship game. Well, we had some problems. Uh, It wasn't the, you know, those were just sprung on us, but they were, tickets were like at half court. They were 15 rows up. Better tickets than I, I will ever have again in my life. And so, well, of course we had to. One problem is we had class later that day. That wasn't really a problem. That's easy to skip. You, you, there's always another class, right? So skip class. And we're driving down there, and we're excited, you know. We're uh, young guys getting to go see this basketball championship game. 
Uh, turns out it wasn't a very good game, but it was still a fun experience. We're driving down there, and, and it kind of dawns on us, uh, where, where are we going to stay tonight? You know, we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll figure that out. So we go to the game. It's all right. And, you know, it's, we get out of the game at a little after 11, and we decide we're just going to get in the car. We'll just drive back four and a half hours. Uh, my mom loved this, by the way. Drive back four and a half hours. We get in the car. It's almost midnight. And my friend says, don't worry, I got this. Takes a five-hour energy drink. You don't worry, I got this. It's not even an hour later. It's like 40 minutes later. He's like, I can't do it. I can't stay awake. <laughs> and so he passes the keys over to me. And I start driving. I'm like, well, at least, you know, talk to me. Keep me awake. And it's like 15 minutes later, he's asleep. And now I'm looking at a three-and-a-half-hour drive through rural Texas alone in the middle of the night, basically. Um, I felt led astray by a friend. that He, he was someone I could count on. <laughs> so. and, and we laugh at that story, but... It was, a, it was risky, right? But I think some of us do this with our real relationships. That maybe there's some risk involved, but, it's, but we, we look at the fun part of it, and we don't worry about the downside of it. And it's one thing when it's, when it's the example I laid out, but what about when it's the things that are more important in our life? What about when it's things that are scary in our life? Because here's, here's the truth. It's impossible to live the right life having the wrong friends. It's impossible to live the right life while having the wrong friends. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now if, you want to, if you have a Bible, turn over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. 1 Corinthians has some passages that are very well known. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, for instance, is the love passage. Maybe it was even, part of it was read at your wedding, or you've heard it read at a wedding. Um, It's all about love. Well, chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians is all about resurrection. Uh, From the get-go all the way through the whole chapter, Paul is talking about resurrection. And he talks about the resurrection of Christ, and and he transfers to talking about the resurrection that we have because of our faith in Christ. But you'll notice in the passage we read, it says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things. Well, what's he talking about? At the time, there was people in Corinth who, who were very uh, skeptical of the physical body. And so they were, they were certain that the resurrection meant immortality of the soul, but not a bodily resurrection. And Paul goes against that and says, no, it's, it's both the soul and the body. And what I want you to, to notice in this passage, in that part, is that bad company corrupts good character. He has that in quotes. Um, he, he's pulling that from something else. This is a church in Greece and what he does is he pulls that straight from one of their more popular comedies, their more popular plays that they go see. They know exactly what he's talking about when he sees that. It would be like um, any movie quote that, is, you know, that you would know exactly, Luke, I am your father. You know exactly what that means. So when Jeremy says that, it comes from Star Wars. But um, we know exactly where that comes from. And the, his audience would have known exactly where that came from. That when they say this, what, is, what are we talking about? That... When you spend time around the wrong people, it's impossible to have the right life. We all have had those situations. You probably have heard those stories before in your life of people who, uh, they grow up, they're a good kid, whatever, and they start hanging around the wrong people. And that we all think that maybe, it's not going to be us. I need to be around these people. I'm the Christ-like figure. I'm the light in their life. But we've all heard those stories before of people with good intentions that Bad company will corrupt their good character. And it's easy to be misled. It's easy to think 
that I, I'm too smart. That's not going to happen to me. I can be around anything, and it's not going to matter. And what I want us to realize today is that we cannot live the right life while having the wrong friends. But I will say that there is another example that we have, and it's the example of Jesus. Many times, Jesus was a friend to sinners. You can flip over in any gospel, and you'll see examples of this. Maybe it's when he met the woman at the well, and he tells her everything that she's ever done, and he, and he loves her in spite of her sin. He's there with her. Or maybe even it's when he calls Zacchaeus out of the tree. Zacchaeus was someone definitely without a good reputation. And he says, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to your house to eat. And in the spite of everyone, what everyone thought. But I want to give you another example today. So if you have your Bibles, go over to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Here's another example of the, the kind of people that Jesus spent time with. Mark chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 13 says this, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again, and he taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, and he followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There are many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Let me... Let me say that part again he invited him to his home with other disreputable sinners in which the text says there were many people of this kind and Jesus' followers but when the teachers of the law who were pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners they asked his disciples why does he eat with such scum when jesus heard this he told them healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do i have come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners So Jesus gives us a a completely different example from what Paul gives us. He's around those who are, what the text says, disreputable sinners. There are many of them around. The Pharisees go so far as to call them scum. And oftentimes, we don't look at the Pharisees as knowing what they're talking about, as, as in the right. But here, they probably are right. These are probably not people with good reputations. These are probably... Uh, bad guys. These are probably not the kind of people you would want your kids spending time with. And yet that's who Jesus is spending time with. Paul gave us one example in 1 Corinthians, but again in 2 Corinthians, Paul will write, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer partner with an unbeliever? And then again, Jesus will also say in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. Light has to be in darkness in order to be light. So we have two examples here. We have, we have a choice to make as Christians. Do we not associate us with anybody who could corrupt our good character? Or do we be like Jesus when we go to the house of those that we would consider sinners? And I think the answer for us as Christians is that yes, we would do both. We would follow what Paul says And be careful who we spend our time with. And we would also do exactly what Jesus says. We would be the light of the world and be in the light. Be the light in the darkness. We follow a third way. And we as Christians have to learn to live in a way that affects those around us without being infected by sin. We live live in a time that we have to be careful about all the world's influences. We have more capability to be in access with anything so easily today. We have to be careful about that. But we also can't let our hearts grow cold like the Pharisees. We can't be the kind of people um, who are so standoffish against those who don't know Jesus. And frankly, as Christians today, we live in tension. 
Part of it will never go away because we live in a fallen world. But there's one thing that I'm sure of, and this is what we've been talking about, that those that are closest to us, our core relationships, our core friendships, must be with people that are committed followers of Christ. That as that we want to be the kind of people that, the, that the, those that we spend the most time with share the same values as us, that are those kind of people that are pointing us and pushing us towards relationship with Christ rather than distracting us, distracting from that. Jesus, again, gives us, a, gives us a good example. He, many times, would be teaching among thousands of people. The one time he fed 5,000 people, so many people around him, and yet he loved everybody without giving them the same access to his life. He was with everybody, but then he only chose 12 as his apostles. And even among them, he was closer with three, Peter, James, and John, than he was all 12. And even then, Jesus gives us the best example that he prioritizes his relationship with Christ, or with God, the Father, above even the three. Many times we see in Scripture, when he would leave the 12, he would leave the three to go and be with God. In our example, in our life, we should do the exact same thing. Though in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, we come in contact with a lot of people, we need our core relationships to be with those who share the same values as us, who are people that will point us to Christ. We need a place that we can go away from the world where we can get encouragement, when we can seek accountability, when we can seek shelter. Many of you today might be in here and you might uh, wonder, Who are these people in my life? What are some questions that maybe can help identify the more negative influences in our life? Here's some questions that I want you to ask yourself today. Here's a few questions for you to consider. Is there someone in my life who is often critical or negative? Is there someone in my life who is tempting me to focus on something other than God? Is there someone in my life introducing values to me that are opposed to the values of God? And lastly, is there someone who serves themselves more than serves others? And frankly, you probably know the influences in your life that are pulling you from God. I hope those questions help, but you probably already know people in your life that are drawing you away from God rather than pointing you to God. And maybe for you, though, maybe your closest friendships come from in here. Maybe they're sitting next to you today. And that's a great thing. But it doesn't mean that we are without consideration of the influences in our life. For many of us, it may not even come from relationships, but maybe it comes from that one TV station or television program that you spend too much time watching. That after you spend so much time watching, you, you walk away a more negative, less loving person. Or maybe it's the columnist, the, the website, the blogger that you like to read that is distracting you from God and, in fact, causing you to be maybe a more fearful, unloving person. See, there are other factors in our life. There are other, other influences in our life that sometimes are drawing us away from God rather than pointing us to God. But there are two things today that I want us to take away. There are two things that we as Christians cannot allow our friendships or our our influences do to us. And the first thing is this. We'll never let our influences or our friends distract us from God. There's a story in the Gospels where Jesus is revealing to his apostles the plan going forward for his life. And he he gathers them together and he says, this is what's going to happen. We're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be put to death there. Three days later, I'm going to rise again, but I'm going there to be put to death. And of course, this doesn't sit well with the apostles. They're following the guy that at one point had thousands and thousands of people following him. 
They are very popular just by being with Jesus. They don't want to be following the guy put to death. And so, of course, one of them, Peter, pulls Jesus aside, and the text says that he rebukes Jesus. It's not a place that we want to find ourselves, because this is how Jesus responds to Peter. Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely through a human point of view, not from God's. You are a trap to me. How many, how many of us can say that we have friendships or other influences that are a trap to us? And maybe even it's just a trap of so much time we spend and that's distracting us from God. Many of us have things that we need to be on the lookout for because maybe it's not even evil things, but they're, pure, they're plainly just distracting us from God. And the second thing we want to do after not letting our friendships distract us from God is to not tempt us into sin. There's a story in Genesis about a man named Joseph. And Joseph is sold into slavery, and through God's will, he ends up at Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph and would like to uh, take him to bed with her. And Joseph could have done a lot of things in this situation. He could have given in to temptation. He could have sat there in temptation and tried to test his will. But Joseph does what all of us should do, and he flees. He runs away. And I don't know how many times... We have the same courage, the same boldness to run away from sin. That we're in a situation where sin or temptation is starting to happen. And rather than run away from it, we we try to deal with it. We try to just sit in it. And, And Joseph is a good example of who we need to be as Christians. We need to be people that when sin starts to happen, we run away from that. God has no part in sin. He cannot be around sin and neither can we as his followers. Now all of this is not to say that we don't love people unconditionally. Of course we do. We still follow the example of Jesus as we talked about earlier. We love people unconditionally. Not with the attitude that the Pharisees had, but with the attitude that Jesus had in humility. Because we know, as people here, that we are all sinners. We know that we all need Jesus, that we all need grace, and that we want to extend the same to others. For us as Christians, it's time that we stop judging people because they don't share our same values. People that aren't Christians did not sign up for the life that we were signed up for. We want to be the kind of people that love them, that love people anyways. Love them into wanting to make that commitment with Christ. But we don't do it only if they do. But we, we love unconditionally. We need to continue to try to be the people who love, peop- who love others and who try to inf- affect them without being infected. I'd like to invite the praise team back to the stage as we close. We live in a tension in our society. We, live, we go out into the world every day and around people who don't share our same values and who often would try to, maybe by no fault of their own, distract us from who God has called us to be. And I think that David summed it up really well in Psalm 101. So I'm going to read this in closing. David writes this, Psalm 101. I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to to serve in my house, and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked 
and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Let us be the kind of people who can say the same thing, that we will look for faithful companions in our life, people that will continue to point us to God rather than anything else. This is the place that we find that. This is what church is all about, a place that we come to be encouraged, held accountable by one another, seek protection from the world. And today, as we close in our final song, our shepherds and their wives are going to be around the room. Now's the time to throw off these, these other influences, to throw off the things that are drawing us away from God instead of things that are pointing us to Christ. Respond to this time in prayer so we can be the kind of people who can be a light to our world. Let's stay in the scene.